Welcome to Here's a Solution, the podcast where talking about work doesn't have to feel like it. Presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions with your host, Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Now, are you ready to get real about the everyday workplace? Hi, Chelsea. Hi. It's been a minute. It's been a hot minute. Yeah. But we're back. We are back. Hello. I feel like we say that every podcast. (laughs) Every podcast, it's like, we're back and... This is, this is, we're going to get on that regular schedule. I've also noticed later, like I figured out with time that I, uh, listening back to the podcast to make the edit decision list is a time consuming process for me. Cause there's only so much I can handle of like listening to my own voice before oh. I have to like, no, I think it's just like a normal thing that like, yeah. you know, you're like overanalyzing what you're saying and the likes and the ums. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll, I'll get like a quarter of the way through it take a little break yeah I'm really glad I don't have to listen to that <laughs> it's true yeah so, thanks for doing that for the team um actually that's very kind of you to thanks do you know what that's really kind of you for acknowledging my contribution so dear listeners can you kind of <laughs> guess what our topic is I feel like we're like on like the op- like in Sesame Street when they be doing like the letter of the day <laughs> and they're like Ah, Apple. We're force-feeding it to everybody. So, yeah, we are talking about kindness today and kindness at work. And I was sharing with Chelsea just before this that it wasn't a topic that we had on our, I'm not going to say vision board, but on our uh, giant whiteboard in our office now. But it was one that came to me. I saw it posted a few weeks ago on LinkedIn, and then it popped up again when somebody else had recently reposted it. And it the topic kind of comes from... I think, I believe it's like a Harvard Business Review article. And it kind of caught my attention because I, I, I really didn't like <laughs> the, uh, the sort of, the, the bullet point ideas they gave for being kind at work. Okay. And so I kind of want to bring them up and I kind of want to talk through a few, but I am going to summarize sort of what the article is. And so it starts with saying, Whether you're just entering the workforce, starting a new job, or transitioning into people management, kindness can be a valuable attribute that speaks volumes about your character, commitment, and long-term value. And then it goes on to say that here are a few simple routines you can integrate into your everyday work life that will spread kindness and help create a culture of kindness at your organization. And so the first one it starts with is saying it's telling you to practice radical self-care. That's a buzzword right there. Thank you. (laughs) The best way to be a valuable, thoughtful team member is to be disciplined about your own wellness, your physical, emotional, and mental well-being. So when I say that to you before I dig into what I think, what what does that bring up for you? That phrase to me has become just like words but it doesn't mean anything you know like you need to practice wellness you need to practice self-care okay what does that look like and also how do you do that if you're not in an organization that prioritizes those kinds of things where I do agree with it is I think depending on personality type so for myself I am not very kind to myself. Like, this is like a <laughs> Emily's sad face. That's okay. No, that's okay. This is like a topic that often comes up for me in therapy. Like, I'm a triple Virgo, and I'm extremely critical, and I'm really hard on myself. I'm really critical of myself. I'm not forgiving on myself when I make mistakes. 
I treat every like little mistake I make like a really big deal and I really carry it. I don't let myself be like, you know what? People make mistakes and you get to learn from that. And okay, that's affecting me. But I've noticed as I've gotten older that I've began to hold everyone to that really high standard. So I find that I'm really critical of other people too. And I kind of let myself get away with it because I think, well, that's how I am to myself. I don't know. And then it kind of becomes this like circle of like negative behavior because like it's kind of like a self-punishment thing. And then it leads the whole cycle really deep, lots of therapy. Um, But where I was going with that is when I kind of use it as an excuse that I mean to myself so I can be critical of other people. And so where I wanted to go with that is this really starts with me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So this is where it's, it's my responsibility to other people to be kind to myself because I think like, how are you going to love someone else if you can't love yourself? As RuPaul said, right? Well, RuPaul and to give me probably the most perfect segue ever, Elaine Alec, Mm -hmm. who created Cultivating Safe Spaces. And we'll make sure we put the diagram that I'm going to talk about because so much of this article, I, I maybe six months or a year ago, I would have been like, totally, yes, practice radical self-care. And, and I think thanks to some additional work and training that I've done and been able to be involved in, it's, it's I think, like you said, like being very critical about those words and what does that mean? And what if you don't exist in an or like what if your organization doesn't, allow you to practice self-care exactly yeah and so in sort of the the main diagram for cultivating safe spaces the very center of that diagram is understanding self and basically saying exactly like you said you can't cultivate a safe space unless you are one Mm -hmm. so unless you truly understand what your triggers are and what self-care might look like for you like sometimes self-care for me is making sure I have extra time to catch up on emails so Absolutely. that I'm not stressed out about it when I'm coming home and thinking, oh, I left work early and now I have 80 emails. You know, it, it's not all bubble baths and long showers. Well, and so like honestly, self-care could be its own whole conversation because like, yeah. yes, sometimes it is. Sometimes, you know, just taking an extra 15 minutes for yourself to do a face mask, that's great. But I think the whole thing of self-care has kind of been co-opted and monetized and so yeah sometimes that is self-care but also sometimes self-care is talking about things that you don't want to talk about in therapy or sometimes self-care is scrubbing the bathroom when everything in your body is being like just go back to bed you know yeah sometimes self-care is difficult and hard and you don't like it while you're doing it yeah and I think the way it talks about this list to be disciplined with your own wellness. I think that also really puts a big onus on you as an individual. Yes. And a note I wrote here about it is, can you do it alone? So how are you supposed to practice self-care if if your roommates have people over and you really just want a quiet time, right? It's about being able to have space and the opportunity. I can't practice self-care on a night where my husband's out and I got to be, you know, on with the kids and and things like that. Or, or can I involve them in self-care? Maybe self-care is going for a walk. Although Mm -hmm. I tried that last week and I literally dragged them for five kilometers and it was, it wasn't the the happy, fun family moment I thought it was going to be. So I, I feel like 
again, putting this out there is you need to practice, and I like that word, radical self-care. It's like... Well, yeah, like, what would radical be? (laughs) Like, and then also, yeah, like, if your self-care is going to therapy, but your employer doesn't have benefits. Yeah. Right? Like, you're priced out automatically. Yeah. That's not very radical. No, and I... So I think it's... I, again, I'd like to bring it back, and I think we should do an upcoming episode solely on cultivating safe spaces and just sort of the ways, you know, I really see it interacting with a lot of the other work we do. But I really think you have to know yourself. You have mm-hmm. to know your triggers. You have to know what that word of self-care means to you and, and how that would actually make you kinder at work mm-hmm. or have others, you know, say, you know, what you're doing is kind because also what is important to me is to-do lists and getting things done, moving through the week so that I, you know, can get to Friday and know that I don't have too much spillage into my weekend so that I can see friends or hang out with my family and things like that. But for others, it could look radically different, (laughs) right? So Mm -hmm. anyways, that was kind of the first part where I was like, Okay, I don't love that this is what the article is starting with, of saying, to be kind, you need to take on more work, mm-hmm. basically. It also made me think of, I mean, as a, as a mom, I have tons of mom memes on Instagram, and it's like, don't forget that taking that extra 10 minutes in the shower isn't self-care. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's a, the shower is a safe space. Yeah. Or when people say, like, you know, when you get your kids strapped in and that walk around the other side of the car that's self-care and I'm like okay well big spectrum but I think like that's interesting to me though because the way that's being framed the way you said it to me is very gimmicky very Facebook posty yeah but the way I would choose to look at it is taking time in your day like that 30 second walk just kind of taking that 30 second to the front door to you know like take a deep breath and and just align yourself and kind of just ground yourself in the moment you know I think that's kind of where, like, the true statement from that is, mm-hmm. you know? Just taking, like, a breath to be, like, the kids are in the car. Like, that's a victory in itself. Yes. You know, like, we're going to work. Like, if you just threw out your day or, like, taking times to do that, like, that adds up. So the second part there was, this was, like, again, a kicker for me. So, again, rem- remembering that these are some simple routines that you can integrate into your everyday work life that will spread kindness and help create a culture of kindness at your organization second bullet point is do your job right (laughs) simple yeah it says do your job start with the basics by showing up on time and doing your job to the best of your ability this is where your self-care practice comes into play and you can't do your best work without taking care of yourself first this sounds like you know when you're like writing the essay for class and you don't really know what you're talking about, so you kind of just, like, keep saying the same thing, but in different sentences. Yes. I was like, I actually had to look at the authors, and I'm like, is this AI? <laughs> Did ChatGPT just to tell me that to be kind at work, I need to do my job? Yeah. So I, my bullet point under this one was, I go, my problem with this statement is show up on time and do your job to the best of your ability. Again, puts pressure and the onus on the employee to show up and maybe put up with bad working environments. And by doing that, you're going to be kind. This article sounds like it was written by the um, the boss from Office Space. <laughs> yes. So to pick apart this a bit, so yeah. it says like the show up on time. Again, I think it's just it's just about getting into the more nuanced mm-hmm. ideas of this. Okay, showing up on time. You showing up on time is great, 
but not realistic all the time. I think where the kindness comes in is, okay, we have a meeting at 9.30. Your kid was up sick all night, late start. You're going to be in by 9.45. I think where the kindness comes in is the communication. Hey, I'm going to be 15 minutes late. Just a heads up. Let's start the meeting 15 minutes late. Yeah. You know, instead of being like, I, the kid's going to school in his like puke ridden shirt so I can get there on time so that I don't delay everyone because I'm trying to be kind and then you're coming in you're frazzled you're stressed all of that yeah just the communication of like sorry <laughs> yeah because again I have been in work environments where telling someone I was going to be late especially due to a kid issue would not have been received kindly. And that's the chain reaction, right? Like you're trying to do a kind thing by communicating. Yes. But then the larger structure that you exist within is going to penalize that. Absolutely. Yeah, and so another point I wrote down on this is how do you take care of yourself? How do you practice this radical self-care if you're just showing up and working? If you just feel like a cog in the wheel, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I better show up. Mm -hmm. And do my job. Right? And the phrase do my job just makes me think of like, Lucy on like the the lipstick factory like just like putting the lids on. Like I just go and I just do my job. Like how many people have a job like that where it's just, I don't know, it just sounds so like you just go and you plug into like your little, I don't know, like workstation and you just do a task. Yeah. Like that's not what my job is like. No, (laughs) the job is not that. (laughs) And again, like putting the onus on the employee. Mm -hmm. To me, none of this talked about an employer's potential responsibility. How are you promoting kindness? I know we just talked about like the, you know, the showing up on time thing. And I know from our previous episode, talking to Carolyn um, Mancuso from Ignite about just that, that very open communication, Mm -hmm. that dialogue she has with her team about anything and everything and about you know you can have policies and procedures but again they're applied to people and people aren't perfect thank goodness Mm -hmm. and yeah so again just working through this article that has just a lot of issues (laughs) okay so number three is to reach out to others with intention Make plans to meet virtually or even better in person with colleagues. Ask about their pets, their most recent move, or their family. Most importantly, practice active listening. Okay, so again, I feel like we're we're just taking each each bullet point, which is kind of on the right track, and then we're kind of workshopping to get it there. Yeah. You know, because I know we do talk about like the importance of knowing your coworkers. Absolutely. But like where it says there, like with intention, the whole way the sentence is phrased is is making it sound like you're getting to know them to like check a box. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the first point I wrote down is what does reach out with intention mean? Yeah. Like what's wrong with just going, hey, how's it going? With with no ulterior motive, no intention other than just being like Hey. We're just having a conversation. Like, yeah. I think we're kind of overthinking it. Like, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, an example that literally just happened is I have a friend who has a younger colleague that started at her office. You know, she reached out to be like, did the four of us want to go and have lunch sometime? Because this new younger colleague of hers doesn't know a lot of people mm-hmm. in town. So, yes, there is intention. And I think it's a very kind thing that she's doing. But it feels a bit more organic than, like, and maybe I'm reading too much into this. Like, maybe this is the point of this 
bullet, but it's like, you know, ask about their pets, their recent move. Maybe just reach out to someone because like you want to. Yeah. Well, and okay. So I have a really good example of this in real life and of someone actually practicing self-care. So at a previous workplace, I just started there. I'd been there for about two months and I hadn't done any real like sort of team building activity. So I was the fourth person on the team. I had two co-bosses. The one boss said, how about we go out for dinner, kind of have like a little meeting about work and all of that and just goals and all that kind of stuff. But then we just like have our dinner. And the other co-boss said, you know what, honestly, so she and her personal life was going through quite a bit. Her, her, they just found out her dad was really sick. Like there was just a lot going on in her personal life. She said, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you for right now in my spare time, I don't want to be doing a work activity, you know, in, in the next kind of upcoming weeks, I'm going every day from work. I'm going to my dad's. It's a lot. I kind of just want to think about work when I'm at work. And for right now, my personal life just be my personal life. And I think my, so the boss that originally had, um, brought up the idea, I think at first was like, whoa, like you don't, you don't want to do team building. Like you don't want to discuss our goal. Like this is a nice thing to do, but the more they just talked about it, she was like, the, the girl that said no, it was like, I'm not saying we're not going to do this. Like, or we could find a way to do it in the work day. I'm just saying like right now, my boundary is I can't do work events outside of work hours. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, thinking about it from both sides. And you said the other boss was like, well, you don't want to do team building. It's like, she didn't say she didn't No, I think where it came down to was, so the woman that said no is a person that is extremely upfront mm. and doesn't really... She says exactly what she means. And she's not putting in words that don't have to be there, if that makes sense. Like, she like wasn't... Yeah, yeah, she wasn't um, framing the sentence around... She's just really upfront. No, I think... That like, face value. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value to, to not necessarily sugarcoating. And I'm going to say it, maybe it's a slight age thing, not knowing who you're talking about. Because I knew in my, my younger self... I had a hard time just saying no, especially mm-hmm. in a work environment. Yeah, you don't have to follow up. Right. But now that I'm 40 plus, I'm like, no, no is a full, complete sentence. No period. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, she even gave context. Like, I, my personal life is super full right now. And I need that maybe more separation between work and life. And I, and I need all my spare time to go to this activity because I'm, probably really burnt out mm-hmm. and and so that's super fair and I would appreciate someone who didn't fl- like add all the extra like packaging around it to, to spare my feelings yeah well and something that I find I do is when I'm delivering a message to someone and this is very much specific to me when I'm delivering a message to someone I'm thinking of all the follow-up questions that they're going to have, like where this might lead, where this conversation might go. And I'm trying, as I'm delivering the message, I'm thinking about that and I'm trying to add information to what I'm saying to try to cover what they're going to say. When I just remind myself, that's not how conversations work. Say what I need to say. The person will come back with questions or follow-up or whatever. And then based off of what they, like, I don't have to do all this guesswork for you. Right. You don't have to do all the anticipating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's a really good point and a very good example. And it's one other thing that I, um, again, I was writing in here was if you're someone who doesn't necessarily thrive with small talk or relationship building, does reaching out even feel authentic? You know, how is this in line with that first bullet point of practicing radical self-care? If reaching out randomly to somebody 
because you think it's the kind thing to do also gives you anxiety hives. Like, yeah, I just found like it to be very, maybe even oppositional to the other points. Mm -hmm. So again, even actually I wrote down a team building thing. Again, this puts the onus on the employee to do things that the employer could do and to create even like team building and relationship building connections that could work with various work types. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you don't have a big all staff party or a dinner, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you do small group interactions that allow some people to get up on stage and do karaoke, allows others to maybe do mega Jenga so that they're, you know, it's a bit quieter, but still kind of team building. Like, how do you do these things that could build these intentional uh, connections? When I was in education, so right now, a really big thing in education is differentiation. Mm -hmm. So in kindergarten classes, instead of having the kids all do an activity at once, or not even having a bunch of different activities and then assigning the kids to go places. Kindergarten classes, they have, they're called stations. So there'll be, say, five in a room of all different things. So one could be Play-Doh, one could be drawing, one could be Legos. You don't tell the kids where to go. They just go to the station that they want to go to. And I think that differentiation is something that can really be extrapolated onto a bunch of different things. Because I know if we were to do a team-building activity... I don't like games. I just, I don't like, like the idea, like a cornhole tournament. I don't like playing cornhole. But if there was a cornhole tournament where there was also people were barbecuing, people were sitting, mm-hmm. like there's all a bunch of different stuff to do, then I don't have to go play cornhole. Right. You know, I can go do another thing. You know, right now, don't invite you to <laughs> Don't, do not invite me to cornhole. <laughs> Noted. Unless I'm asking you to come and barbecue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be the barbecuer. Do you be our barbecue bartender? <laughs> but also at the same time, I do think it can swing so far as like, but sometimes maybe I will play cornhole. You know what I mean? Like maybe there is a cornhole tournament and get some fresh air and stand there and try to find the fun in something. Yeah, so again, it's about like how you create those opportunities for team building and connection that could work. And again, and maybe from there, those conversations can then turn into intentional reach outs, Mm -hmm. right? Where somebody doesn't feel like, oh man, that new person started. Maybe I should reach out to them. That doesn't feel good for me. But now I feel like I should because I read this article and it should happen. And I also think, especially as we live in a hybrid work, you know, you have to make it work for people that maybe aren't in an office at all or at times and look for ways. It was interesting. I... I put that out as a challenge to the last course that I taught where the scenario I gave my students was two offices that merged, one being in Thunder Bay and one being in Vancouver. And I said, how would you create connections and opportunities? And this is the world we live in now. And they had said to set up an esports tournament. And I was like, online gaming is nothing I would have ever thought about is doing team building. I'm yeah. like, let's do a Kahoot or something online. So, I mean, yeah, like there's new ways of building those connections mm-hmm. and, and maybe being kind in a new, different way. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so there's two more bullet points there related to this article. So this one was recognize and acknowledge people. Authentic, thoughtful interactions show that you're thinking about the other person and reflecting on their unique attributes and value, which will cement social connections. Yeah. Again, like it just sounds like there's a lot of words in there. Mm -hmm. And basically what it's saying is just like 
be nice to people when you talk to them. Yeah, and I thought it was like, when it talks about recognizing and acknowledging, one of the things that stood out to me were like gifts Mm -hmm. and things that maybe you could get your employees to show that you're reflecting on their unique attributes and values. Again, it was after we stopped recording, but we were talking to Carolyn about staff appreciation gifts and things like that. And, you know, how do you get something that everyone will like or how do you show somebody and then, you know, how do you top it and things like that. But also, I think we've all received gifts that maybe the gift giver is like super excited to give to you Mm -hmm. because they're like, I saw this and it totally spoke to me it was you I want to give this to you and then you open it up and you're like oh (laughs) thanks and you're totally racking your brain as to why the heck you're holding up like dragonfly wind chimes (laughs) and then they're like remember that one time we were like walking through a park and a dragonfly landed on your shoulder it just reminded me of that and you're like Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a boss who used to give us every Christmas, she would make everyone an individual CD with songs that made her think of you. She made you a mixtape. She made us a mixtape every <laughs> Christmas. She would also make, there was a couple times, I can think of two situations where uh, one of the hairdressers had broken up with their partner and she made them like a breakup <laughs> mixtape but so music must be really important music was really important to her and you could see how much thought she put into each person had their own cd with their own songs and she would go through and tell you why either that artist or that song made her think of you so thoughtful so thoughtful she would also always every song had to have a title with your name in it Oh my god. So she always put Did she start like December 26th? <laughs> really for the year? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. I can't imagine like throughout the year her hearing a song and then being like writing oh, it that's down. Chelsea. Yeah. The notebook she would have. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. How often did you listen to that CD? Cars don't even <laughs> come with CD <laughs> players anymore. Actually, I found one in my glove compartment. Oh. I was like, what is this doing? Yeah, so she retired um a couple years ago right around the advent of like spotify playlist you know so we no longer get it would be really easy to make a new version of that for sure but yeah i I liked going through it and and it was cool because it was also um you were learning about her because it's all the music that she would be listening to yeah you know so i don't know i just i thought it was like a really sweet time like not time consuming but like that's authentic that is, and that is very kind. And it does, you know, as the, as the bullet point in the article says, it does show that thoughtful interaction that tells them, tells you that she was thinking of it. And I kind of like, too, that, and you need a balance of both of these things. Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily work-related. Yeah. It was just about me. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I kind of put around here was, okay, well, so what if you want to? What if you want to reach out and have a thoughtful interaction that shows you're thinking the other person but again what if that doesn't actually feel supported at work yeah that's that's the issue and like I think that's the thing with the podcast like where we're talking more directly to like business owners and the employers is I don't know how to make you care about people yeah you know like we're saying like you need to authentically care about people but we're putting the onus on 
the business owner, you know, like that. Yeah. I would really hope that that, that's something that you want to do. But I think as organizations get bigger, they kind of become more faceless. Yeah. And it's something that Carol and I were talking about a little bit in our conversation about the time she spends to talk to her team. And again, I believe this conversation happened after we had stopped recording, but she was telling about a time where she went to go and be a part of a program that she isn't involved in anymore. And when she came back, she just had to like have a little mini meeting with her team and just show them how much she appreciated them and just say thank you again because she said she realized if she had maybe taken a different path she could have been in a much different environment with different people Mm -hmm. and she just really appreciated where she was and who she was working with because you know it sounded like the other side of that coin wasn't a great place Mm -hmm. and so again it's it's one of those things where you're like if you weren't working in an environment that even supported you really getting to know your colleagues. Because what happens if the moment you got up to go talk to someone, they're like, uh, is it break time yet? Mm-hmm. You know, or if maybe you took an extended lunch, you get penalized for it. So again, you can try to have those thoughtful interactions, but maybe they're not supported. And then maybe that makes you think like, there's no point in reaching out to anybody. Well, and I think this is where like the root of this is institutional change. Absolutely. Like how yeah. Elaine Alex says, like hard on systems, not people, especially when like when we're talking directly to like entrepreneurs, like, yeah, it, it's very easy to say, like, you're a small business owner. Carolyn really cares about her 15 staff members. Mm-hmm. But then once you get into an institution where you're no longer like this isn't this person is your boss, but this wasn't their business idea. You know, it just keeps flowing up. Everyone can have individual actions and that's good and that's needed. But when things need to change, it's so much bigger than individuals just trying to go out of their way to be more kind. Yeah. You know, it's it's at the institutional level. We kind of need to relook at things. Absolutely. Yeah. So the last the last one on here is to be conscientious with your feedback. Being kind means offering feedback for the betterment of the person receiving it and the overall success of your company. So I didn't really have an issue with this one other than the way in which some people could offer feedback might be not seen as for the betterment of the other person. And I th- I know we had an, uh, we've had a podcast about giving and receiving feedback and just, you know, some good pointers on how you can do that. But again, I think it's all about the delivery and who's doing it because mm-hmm. I've received feedback and it has been delivered in a not kind way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know I've also given feedback and thought could have done that way better. Mm-hmm. And and I think, again, it all comes down to when we were talking earlier about, and again, bringing it back to cultivating safe spaces is, you know, is something happening and are you being triggered? Mm-hmm. Do you not feel very patient in this moment? Like, again, are you able to give feedback in a way that ha- you've, you know, been able to think through it and gone, okay, these are the bullets I want. And this is the plan moving forward. Like, because sometimes you have to give feedback immediately, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes you need to communicate that in a way that might feel a little bit more harsh. Like I was thinking about the time (laughs) I was taking something out of the oven and then my son went to go reach for it. And my feedback was screaming at him. Just, yeah. Right. Like, 
yeah. And then he, he was scared because I yelled and it was immediate tears. I'm like, okay, well. But fine. he was safe. But then <laughs> he was safe. Yeah. So again, like, I think there's merit to saying, okay, yes, I want to be conscientious with my feedback and I want to deliver this in a way, but are we in a moment where that's not possible? Mm-hmm. Like, and do you give yourself the feedback giver the time to sit and process and go, okay, do I need to deliver this feedback right now because it's something dangerous could happen or something very detrimental to the company, the client, whomever? Can I be patient and disciplined and really think through it and be able to do that? Because I think, again, a lot of people aren't self-aware to be like, if I actually sat on this, if I didn't send this email, if I waited to tomorrow, if I schedule the send and I think about it, will I delete it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, again, it comes back to what is the working environment like? Do you feel like you have to give immediate responses or else you're going to be called out for something? Mm-hmm. Or are you given the time to process? Yeah, exactly. And I think feedback is a subset of communication. Mm-hmm. And like communication, it's a communication skill. Like it is a skill. There's people that are naturally better at it and it's something that can be worked on and developed. Mm-hmm. And I think something that's really important for people that are often giving feedback to remember is feedback is not a one size fits all thing. So how you give me feedback should probably be different than how you give another person feedback. And Absolutely. that, and that's kind of just why like leadership is a skill and why not everyone is the boss, you know, kind of thing. Because, um, so going back to that woman that I talked about that set the boundary about doing the after work activities, she really intimidated and scared me at first because she was an extremely upfront person. And when she gave feedback, again, there wasn't a lot of sugar coating on it. And that really scared me at first. And that at first, it was a process at first that made me a scared to mess up Mm. B, be scared to tell her things. And what I learned with just working from her was you could, I could take what she told me at face value. Here's the feedback, fix it, do whatever it has to be done. Great job. Do you know what I mean? Like I started to learn that like when she's giving me feedback, it's not the end of the world. It's not changing her entire opinion on me. Mm -hmm. She's just trying to be as efficient and effective as possible. And her, her giving me feedback because her personality was pretty abrupt, it took me time, but I eventually figured out that like there was two separate people, you know, and she was able to separate what she personally thought about me and my work, you know? Mm -hmm. So, because I'm someone that, again, I'm really hard on myself. And so when I get feedback or criticism, constructive criticism, I hold it really close to myself and I see it really as a reflection of myself. And so working with her, I realized over time, she was actually the type of person that I worked really well with because I wasn't afraid of her feedback. I just knew it was a step in the process, Yeah, you know? But at the same time, I realized that some people might not have ever gotten past that scared phase. For sure. You know, so maybe she does have things that she needs to also improve on in her delivery. Yeah, because again, it sounds like like we had just talked about feedback not being a one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. And if she was only ever giving everybody the same type of feedback in the same delivery manner, then, you know, you learn to figure it out and be like, okay, this is, this is work feedback. She doesn't not like me as a person. She's just trying to improve this process. Mm -hmm. But again, somebody else might be 
very offended or very like you know not get like you said not get past that scared stage and then might be like okay I'm piecing out because this is too much for me and I can't handle this type of work environment. yeah and that's also valid you know it's it's so not a black or white issue yeah well the fortunate unfortunate part of everything we talk about is that is that very gray so much in the gray and it's so much it depends I think I say that a lot and but the beauty about that is that you get to kind of figure it out and develop what works for you, what works for your team. And because a lot of this isn't black and white, you can test out different things. You can say, okay, well, this works for this type of, you know, personality or perspective. And I'm, if again, the difference between a leader and a boss is that a leader will say, okay, well, I'm going to take the time to know what's going to work for you and make it work for you. So... Yeah, well, that is, that's all the bullet points. Glad we worked through that article together. And I think, bottom line, we're all thumbs up for kindness at work. Mm -hmm. But it's not a employee-only, I think, project. Yeah. The way this whole article is written, it's it's just like the classic, it's like, read it. And this is like a really easy flowchart of like what to do. Yes. And again, like just as we were just saying, it, it's so much more nuanced. So that is us talking about kindness at work. Mm -hmm. As we talked about in one of our last episodes, where we're going to just touch a little bit on things you're reading, things you have read. Mm -hmm. So what have you read lately? I have not read anything lately. I knew this question was coming and I didn't (laughs) prepare myself. You start and we'll we'll come back to me. I'm going to think about something. So mine is going to be a bit of a cheat because I didn't read it, but I listened to it being read to me. Okay, that that counts. So recently on Audible, I just finished Minka Kelly's memoir called Tell Me Everything. And Minka Kelly's not somebody that I really knew at all. Like, I never watched Friday Night Lights. I never watched Parenthood. My husband had to actually find her in a music video, I think from a puddle of mud video. And he was like, oh, there's Mika Kelly. I think we both IMDb'd her and he, he found her that way. Um, I was listening to another podcast, uh, the one that Doc Shepard hosts, Armchair Expert. And he had her on and she was talking about the book. And as they were talking about it, I knew it was one that I absolutely wanted to, to not just read, but I wanted to listen to it. Mm. Because I am obsessed with her voice. Okay. Oh, so she obviously narrates her own. She narrates it, and I loved listening to her on the podcast, and I was like, I could listen to you talk for six hours. And her story is amazing. She grew up living in garages and storage units, and her mom was a stripper, and she had a very, she had a very difficult childhood, her mom like kind of disappeared for a year and even on her deathbed didn't really tell Minka whether or not she was in jail or where she was and Minka's father was not one of the main members but had been her biological father had been a part of Aerosmith so he had a bit of clout so when she decided to move to LA he was able to kind of he was able to help her sort of although on her own merit she started going to auditions she took acting classes her story is absolutely remarkable interesting so mine is kind of on the same note it's not a book it's a tv show that i've been watching but i've been watching the bear on disney plus so it's all about the restaurant industry um but more specifically 
a family. Um, the main actor is Jeremy Allen White. He was in Shameless. He was lip in Shameless. So he's a chef, and he is this, like, world-renowned, um, like, essentially, like, prodigy chef. And he's moved back to Chicago to run his brother's restaurant after his brother passes away by suicide. Mm-hmm. So the, the brother character... You don't ever, like, it's discussed quite heavily how he struggled for years with addictions, um, substance abuse, all of that. And so in the second season, so it's a great show, incredible show. But then in the second season, there's an episode called Forks that takes place five years before the show begins. And so at the beginning of the show, the brother is dead. Mm -hmm. So this episode takes place five years before the show begins. And it's a bottleneck episode. It's all within, so the main character, Jeremy Allen White, his name is Carmine. Carmine's family's home on Christmas night, like the evening. And so it all takes place in this house. And so all the main cast members are there because they're all part of the same family. And then their whole extended family, who are never characters in the show. Like it's kind of just like a standalone episode. All these um, additional family members are there. So like John Mulaney is his cousin-in-law. Sarah Paulson is his cousin. They're a couple. Bob Odenkirk is his mom's boyfriend. This is such like a unique situation too that you see like it's the mom's boyfriend but they call him uncle and like the mom and him are very on and off it's not just like they're he's the stepdad it's not that at all and then the mom is jamie lee curtis oh that's incredible and so the whole episode is taking place and jamie lee curtis is cooking the dinner and they're italian and they're doing the seven fish fishes so it's like an italian tradition at christmas you cook seven different seafood dishes it has a meaning Um, that's discussed in the episode and this episode was like so this was by no means like my family situation or anything like that but like this episode was the best depiction of what it is like living in a dysfunctional family and when you are living with people that have substance abuse issues and how often when you are talking to them they are perceiving their own reality it is not the reality you're perceiving and you're just on the ride with them, you know? So wow. every time they go to talk to Jamie Lee Curtis for a couple minutes there, she's so happy that Carmine's back for Christmas. She's so excited. She's hugging him. She's happy. And he says one thing. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to be home. And he means I'm really happy to be home, but that's not how she takes it. She thinks he's being sarcastic. Aww. So then she gets upset. Well, you never come home. And I had to beg you. And then she's crying. And then she's getting angry. And they just did such a good job of visualizing that feeling of, it doesn't matter what I say back to you. You are going to take it however you take it. Yeah. And we are just going to get into an escalated conversation. And I'm out of control. And so I really saw a lot of family members that I have in this episode. It was just an incredible, like... And it's because it was a standalone episode, it was just, like, such a beautiful little, like, capsule, you know? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really extend onto, like, the show, like, the events that are going on in the show, because it takes place five years before. But it was just, there's something about watching, like, something that, once it's done, you're like, that was such a well-put-together piece. You know, it felt like a little play I was watching. Mm -hmm. And so then I guess there was, like, the catharsis of, like, obviously people also have this situation you know so so that was mine the bear christmas episode forks Hmm. um i highly recommend that show yes i know you've talked about it and i need to i need to add it to my list the only thing that i don't like about that show is um i don't know if everyone like remembers like the wsib commercials from like the mid-2000s of like the one that i always think of is uh the woman's like walking in the kitchen 
and she spills like hot oil on her and she catches on fire. Did you ever watch these? Oh my God. Yeah. And so I'm watching the show and the show has been like really well received for having like almost an ASMR quality because like they'll show like close-ups of people like cutting food and like the sound of the knife is like really like therapeutic to people or something. But all I can think of is like, okay, their finger's about to be cut off. <laughs> or like every time that they're over a pot, I'm, like the pot's about to spill or like they're over an element. I'm like, they're going to touch the element. <laughs> All I remember, it kind of makes me think of like they talk about millennial trauma it's like yeah we thought that quicksand was yeah. a huge like issue or swimming before you waited 30 minutes after you've eaten there's there's this video I watched about all the millennial traumas so that commercial sounds like one of them anyways thanks everybody and if you're feeling extra kind you can always leave us a review, like our posts, comment what you think about the episode. Yeah, that's one way that you can be kind, dear listener. Absolutely. Share it on any of our socials where we will also be posting this. And we will be talking very soon about preparing for a leave of absence. Interesting. All right. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Here's a Solution, presented by Emily Shandruck Solutions. This podcast is hosted by Emily Shandruck and Chelsea Lockstead. Editing and sound engineering by Nick Donati. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and wherever you love to listen. And if you would like, you can follow us on Facebook at Emily Shandruck Solutions, on Instagram at Solution Boss. And if you have a question or a situation you'd like us to discuss on the show, send us a DM or email us at podcast at emilyshandrucksolutions.com. Shandruck is S-H-A-N-D-R-U-K. For more information, visit emilyshandrucksolutions.com.